God's grace and his mercy and his peace are all yours from the Father through, our, through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for his people today is our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 15. Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Loved ones, what is it that makes you jump for joy? It's probably not the thought of your sixth grader passing sixth grade and going into seventh grade, but when your high school senior graduates and they take a long shot at applying to getting into a hard college and you get that letter in the mail and now they're going on to the next letter that you level that you jump for joy. It's not necessarily when your football team is up by 30 points for most of the game and the clock is winding down and you are too, but when your team is down by 20 with three minutes left to go and they score two quick touchdowns and then a long bomb goes up and they catch it in the end zone to win the game, that's, that's when you, you jump for joy. It's not necessarily when you and your family have been on a long vacation and you and your husband are, are walking in the door and you're glad to be home, but you just drop your bags and kind of collapse. It's when he's gone by himself on a week-long business trip and he comes home on day five. Oh, and you jump for joy. Do you see the common thread here? The game, the, the reunion, the college. There are a lot of things in life that, that make us happy, but but we jump for joy when we're made happy and we just didn't expect, but we just hadn't expected it to happen. Our Lord Jesus is our omniscient God. He knows everything, so there is absolutely nothing in this world that surprises him. And not only that, but he is our almighty God. He dictates everything that is going to happen and directs the big affairs of the world and the tiny events of the world. And so there's nothing that catches him by surprise. And yet, we see him in our gospel lesson for today expressing the kind of joy that makes us jump. It's when something unexpected happened that even Jesus jumps for joy. And we see him today jumping to the defense of sinners and jumping to search out and find and save those who are lost. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he was becoming more and more of a problem for those who, who loved their church and loved its history more than they loved God. As we see in his ministry here, Jesus was an official, we would say today, an ordained teacher in their church, a, a rabbi. And he was bringing lots of people into the church, which you would think would be a great 
thing to have happen, but they saw that as a problem because the types of people that he was bringing into his church were problem people. We read that they started to complain about him. The tax collectors and sinners were approaching him to listen to him. And this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, they were complaining. I suppose it would have been a lot like if, if we had a congregation where, let's say, about a dozen of our people were, were law enforcement officers, and all of a sudden there were more and more people coming in, but they were people who were known to belong and support Black Lives Matter. And not only that, but, but the new pastor that was here, the cops could tell was hanging out with them during the week. Could you hear the complaints? Does this guy know what kind of people we have coming in here? Where did this guy come from? Someone needs to tell him the way that we do things around here. This is not the church that I grew up in. If he knew their past, I bet he wouldn't be so quick to hang out with them. He's going to ruin our church. The complaint that Luke quoted, the way he quoted it, was this. This man eats with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus knew exactly what their complaints were. And make no mistake about it, the way he responded to them was with one of the most beautiful pictures of God's love in the whole Bible. But when he was painting this picture with words for them, he was drawing a line in the sand. He was putting it right down between himself and the long-time church-going, big offering-giving, full-time church-working, I've been going to this church for years, people, and telling them, go ahead. Convince yourself that you have the right to tell me what kind of people belong in God's kingdom and what kind of people don't. You want to do that? You'll have me to face. And he jumps right to the defense of all sinners in the world. Everyone. So my question for you then is, where is your line? I know especially if you've been, been going to our church for years, you probably have it in your head that, that I have no line because I know that God so loved the world and that means that Jesus loves all sinners. But what about you? Do you follow through on that? Do you have that same kind of love for all people? Let me ask you a question in a different way. What kind of person would you be uncomfortable sitting next to right now? What if someone who you knew to be a long-time drug user came in and sat next to you right now? What if two men holding hands came in and sat next to you right now? A child abuser a politician about whose crimes you know from the news decided to send his kids to our school. A man who cheats on his wife, or, or like in our first reading today, the woman he paid to cheat with him. Would you avoid talking to them? 
and instead runs quick to somebody that you knew to be a good person and talk about them? If so, Jesus asks you, what gives you the right to decide what kind of person belongs in his kingdom and which one does not? And with that thought in mind, Jesus tells three stories to make his point. One of a lost sheep, one of a lost coin, and one of a lost son. And it's today that one of those parables holds our attention. He says, picture a shepherd out in the field with a hundred sheep that he's responsible for. And his eyes are darting around, but not like they usually do. Not, not outside of his flock looking for danger or, or the next place that he needs to take his flock, but looking at his, at his flock and sort of seeing his lips move as he's counting. 97, 98, 99. And he starts over at one because he knows he's supposed to have 100 and there's only 99. And the second time that he counts, he gets the same number and he starts filing through his mind which one of them is gone. And then he has a decision to make. And on paper, it's an easy decision to make. 99 sheep out of 100, I'm pretty good for the day. That's just business. But he wasn't thinking about his budget. He wasn't thinking about his business. He was thinking about his sheep who, if he wasn't dead, was out alone, in danger, hungry, hurting. And so he left. He left the 99, it says, in the open country, and this is where Jesus doesn't fill in the details that we would like. Maybe he just assumed his people thought there'd be a helper there with a flock that big or, or maybe that they'd just be safe. Or he just really doesn't tell us. But what he does tell us is that the shepherd himself decides to go after the lost sheep. And when he finds it, he doesn't even take it back to the flock. He takes it back to his house and he decides to throw a party and tells his neighbors, come here, I found my lost sheep, the problem sheep. He's back. And I've got him. If it's not the thought of someone else but yourself that really bothers you, Jesus wants you to picture not him drawing a line in the sand and facing him, but being picked up on his shoulders and carried by him if it's the thought of yourself that bothers you, knowing that you are, are lost in your sin, knowing that you may put up a good Christian veneer, but, but underneath that, you have things with which you struggle. You have doubts. You have sins you commit over and over again. Jesus says, picture yourself on my shoulders. Be quick to confess your sin. Be quick to admit your hurt. Be quick to cry out to him. Be quick to remember that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Be quick to remember the, the things that we sing together. You take away our sin. You make us pure and holy in your sight. And know that Jesus came and lived and died for you. But do more than know it. Take it to heart. 
Because a lot of times, and of course the Bible is accurate when it says we, we are lost in sin because we are eternally lost if we decide to hold on to our sin. If we decide to hold on and say, you know what, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter what God says. We are lost in sin. But that's what gets us lost. Isn't what keeps us lost the shame that goes along with it? Well, in our heads, I know Jesus died for me and everyone. It's the shame. The thought of having to face up to our sin that keeps us lost. I mean, what is it that that a child looks like when he's lost? Isn't it because at the grocery store he's been walking around with his head down like this and and looking at his own feet or looking at what's interesting to him while while mom and the shopping cart go away and then all of a sudden he goes and he, he grabs onto the first leg that he can see And it's not mom. That's when he gets scared. That's when he knows that he is lost and that's when he cries out for his mother. And Jesus says today, when your head is down in shame, saying, I am am too embarrassed to even face this. I could never, never pray about it. I am too embarrassed to face this. I could never never go to the church where, where, where people might know what I've done or figure it out. Jesus says, look up. Look up at me, Jesus says. And see how how I decided, in spite of your sin against me, I love you. And I came into this world to jump to your defense against sin. And I came to your defense and I jumped at the chance, as much as it would hurt, to be crucified for you, to take on not only your pain that you deserve because of your sin, but the shame that goes with it. That's all mine, Jesus says. Look up and hold on to me. Be quick to confess your sin to me and know that in me, Jesus says, you have a Savior who forgives you. You have a Savior who says, go ahead, death. Try to convince me that you can keep me, Jesus says, in my grave. Go ahead, death. Try Try to convince yourself that you can keep anyone who follows Jesus in his grave. Go ahead. Try to convince yourself, sin, Satan, that you can accuse anyone who repents of a sin that's going to count against them. It all counted against Jesus. So Jesus says to you, that's who I am. Your good shepherd who loves you, who came here, when you were lost in sin and took everything, all of your hurt, all of your shame upon myself and you don't have to worry at all. Just look up, cry out to me, trust me, I've got you on my shoulders and I will carry you through every trouble in this life until you are at home where the angels right now are rejoicing over your repentance and will rejoice with you into eternity. Amen.